conversation inside the music. Conversations inside the music, where we discuss the topics you think about when you're chilling with your fuzzy slippers and your onesie. Yeah. Welcome to Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. What's the deal? Yours truly, the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. Hi, this is Jill Scott, aka Jilly de Philadelphia. Hey, this is Gerald Beasley. Conversations inside the music with my dear friend, the amazing Carol Riddick. So get ready to join in on the conversation. And chill with us on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. With Carol Riddick. Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of Conversations Inside the Music. I'm your host, Carol Riddick. Our guest today has collaborated with Prince, Chaka Khan, George Duke, Will Smith, and those icons' names are only at the tip of the iceberg. He became the musical director of the R&B singing group, The Rude Boys, shortly after graduating from high school. And he was honored by Music Radar as the 27th greatest keyboard player of all time. Family, welcome to today's conversation with the soul jazz superman himself and my friend, Mr. Frank McComb. <laughs> you should have put the friend part first. I started to. Should I do it again? Like, <laughs> long as it's in there, that's all that matters. It's right, good. Right. It's good. Ready? How you doing? I can't complain. I don't know. It costs too much money to do that. You ain't never, never <laughs> lied about that. Okay. Yeah, Mike got stuck down in my fat throat. I've been having all this COVID food. I can't get out on the road and work it off. So oh my goodness. I'm eating and watching TV, and I'm gaining all this weight. So the microphone got stuck in my fat neck. Frankie, I just told somebody that I have fives. I have five necks, five tens, and five. Nines. That's what I said. Man. I can't stand it. Yeah, I can't do it. I, you know, most cats they have a six pack. I got a one pack. I got a fat pack. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we need James Poison on this call. <laughs> oh my goodness! You know what? You are so right. You know James is crazy. So, oh my goodness! I want to go back to this conversation that we were starting. It's so funny. I said I'm not going to ask Frank this because he he's not watching anything. Surprise! You said Me TV. You don't even know how much I love Me TV. Me TV. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the black man version of it. I have been binge watching on old school TV. I don't want to see nothing that looks uh, uh, realistic. I don't want to see nothing evil. I don't want to see nothing. Give me some cartoons. Give me some Tom and Jerry. Some hell, I pull out my Charlie Brown DVDs if I have to. I just I can't I can't do TV right now. I just can't. No I want way. nothing that looks real. And it's bad enough they're making a lot of movies that would be realistic and now looking like How you know. I just. So I just, I, I like my Three's Company, Charlie's Angels. I like my, and I'm telling you, I watch the Logo Channel because the Logo Channel got the best stuff on it. Shirley, uh, what is that, Laverne and Shirley's on? <laughs> I'm telling you, they got the best stuff. And then, and then yeah, I, I watch all my Jeffersons and, and, and I even love Carol Burnett. I'm, a, I'm watching Carol Burnett at oh, night. It's, I watched that's Carol like last week. 11 for me, and it's on 11 o'clock every night for me. I'm in L.A. So that's like two in the morning for you. Yep, and yeah. I watched Carol. I watched Carol Burnett last week. Believe it or not, let me tell you, I love. I love theater. Uh, uh, me too. Yeah, me, that was a thing uh, that my mother and I shared. My mother introduced me to theater, and she loved the Carol Burnett show. And you know the guy, what was his name? He also went right after Carol Burnett. He went over to uh, Kyle Wagner. After Carol Burnett, he went over to Wonder Woman. Mm. Did you know? You know, he just died. He just passed away in March. Yep. Frankie, you are speaking my language. Anybody who knows me knows that I love Columbo. 
I mm, that's me all day. Colombo's number one on my list. Oh, Colombo is where it's at, man. Let, let me slip. Anybody who knows Mama got the answer. He got the answer before he asked you. That is my dude. Man. Wait, wait. That ain't funny eye. <laughs> but ain't nothing funny about him busting you at the end. Nothing. Okay? Nothing. And where it's at. Yeah. Okay. And you know, Colombo's so cold, he ain't even got a theme song. Isn't that funny? I love old school TV. See, but don't get me and don't get me started on Dallas. They won't put Dallas on TV, so I got all the DVDs. You, oh, shut up. Yeah. You do not. J.R. Ewing is my mentor when it comes out of business. Frankie, that is hilarious. <laughs> I had no idea that we had that in common. I had no Yeah, idea. all these years we've known each other. Old school TV. Yep, you know what? Yeah. Speaking of things mm-hmm. that we have in common, now when you and I met, it, it was because of working with Jeff and Will. Yep. So their tour was my first, but I had no idea that you had worked with the Reed Boys um, just prior to that. Yeah, that was, yeah, that I, was was, a, I was. That was a heck of a yeah. transition. What was that like? Yeah. Well, I, for me, it was just another another gig from one gig to another gig to another gig because I'm versatile. God has blessed me to be able to conquer many different styles of music, or quite a few different styles of music. I mean, there's R&B, there's rap, there's gospel. There's, I've, I've, I mean, we're talking old school R&B and new stuff. New school mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I was working with a kid, um, Brandon uh, Howard, Mickey Howard's boy, and uh, he was doing some production, and I was just playing on some stuff for him, probably... God, I'm guessing maybe a decade ago. Didn't know that he put it on Mario's record. <laughs> so wow. the kid Mario, I think he did something on his record. Uh, Omarion or one of them boys. So I'm on their record too. I didn't even know it. Okay, God. Okay. But that's you. That's you. But that's what it's like for me. I just, you know, it's a gig. Okay, I'll do it. I'll play it. Whatever. You know, from Frankie Beverly to Tina Marie to John P. Keaton, Fred Hammond to yeah. Will and Jeff to yeah. Gamble and Huff. Just, I just try not to limit myself, you know. Anything that I can get my hands on, I just do it. You I was know, about to say, know. I don't think you could limit yourself even if you attempted to do so. I was a teenager when we met. I don't even know if you remember this. We were all so in love with a voicemail message that you created. Do you remember that? Wow, geez, that had to be long time yeah. ago. I remember uh, I used to play and sing on mine. That was ages ago. Now, if you call my phone, you're going to hear the synthesizer solo on my version of Superstition that I did on my record. So I never oh. put my voice on anymore. I will never forget that because we were all wow. we were also in awe. See, that's because you don't know the phenomenon that you are. You know, we just kept wanting to hear your voice about message. Uh, <laughs> <That was> <laughs> crazy does that sound? Oh, that's cool, man. That's so cool. Wow, I did do that, huh? I totally <laughs> thought about that. <laughs> then I would always like put singing on, I would perform on my on my greetings. Wow. Yeah. Wow, look at that. And I wasn't even programming music back then. I had to have just been, like pushed the button and just started singing and playing. You sure did. We didn't we we didn't have the technology then that we have now. It was raw and uh, uncut. And and that, I mean that yeah. was what made it so so special and so amazing because it was raw and uncut, you know. Wow, but, I mean, I know yeah. I'm not telling you I I know. I'm not telling you anything that you haven't heard before, but you've just not heard it. No, but it's, but it's a blessing. I mean, no, it's a blessing to even hear that because, you know, people can always say your stuff is whack, too. <laughs> like, hey. like, you know, I just, you give a great compliment. Oh, man, you are awesome. You are wonderful. But then, you you know, you be the other way around. Man, you suck. You need to quit. <laughs> you need to get out the game, bro. And you know, uh, yeah, don't, man. they don't hold back. Especially in this day. And I know. Oh, no, I know. Now than ever before. That's yeah. so true. I want, I want to ask you, because it's something I've always wanted to know. What's your favorite part about working with other artists? 
Hmm. First off, the artist, um, I have to be able to work with them. <laughs> I think I think that's my favorite part right there. I can't create with you if I can't get along with you. I mean, mm-hmm. unless there's a whole lot of money that's that's saying that I okay. I, that's that's the that's the inspiration a brother gonna need because then I look at it as strictly a job. You know, when it becomes labor, it's time to take a break from it. That's that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. But if it's if it's strictly a job and I'm hired to do the job, then then uh, I I just know how to tune that foolishness out and stick to the gig. You know, well, Frankie, praise God for that. That's not always an easy thing because we it's rely not. so heavily on spirit and on that connection yeah. to create. It can be a, it can be a challenge. It really can. My, my, I would have to say that my favorite part is being able, first off, to even be able to work with that artist. And then from there, um, the creative part, you know, coming up with the ideas. Then there's then. Well, I do have another favorite part is the business. If you're dealing with an artist that has a business mindset. I'm not trying to trip on you and I'm only going to get this small percentage. You're mm-hmm. going to get 80%. I'm going to get 20. And, and then this person, you're bringing in five, 600 other, other, other people that you got to split with. I ain't going for that either. How it's either that? equal, either equal splits or just don't waste my time. I understand that. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I do definitely understand. That's a whole nother conversation. When you start talking oh, about we, business. We, yeah. Oh, we can have it. But mind. a lot of people, you know, rely so heavily on the creative connection that they, mm-hmm. they, they hope that, yeah, well, you know, right. we connected and, you know, we bonded and it's cool and it's all good and that you won't think about the business and that's not the right, way the world right. works. <laughs> right. Right. I feel you. Yeah. Feel that's you. just not the way the world works. We all want to eat, right? <laughs> yeah, we and we all got to eat because music show ain't gonna pay the bills. Music bring the money in to pay the bills. <laughs> we can be creative all day. <laughs> let's make sure the bills pay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I, like, like, I like electricity. I, you know, without I the electricity, I ain't cutting nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm man. Hey, man, and God bless you. Even the churches ask for offerings. Come on now. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> And I already know you, so I should know that. <laughs> it's beyond keeping gas in the preacher's Cadillac. It's about keeping the lights on in the church to even have service. But there's a lot yeah. of truth to that. There's truth yeah. to that. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the, I'm the smartest musician in the world, but I'm far from the dumbest. I've sustained I, since 2004 to 2020 as an indie artist. So I had to learn something. You know, I know when I, it wasn't always easy, but I got it done. What you just said was a prolific statement that you have survived since 2004 as an indie artist. And I know that you handle your bookings. I know you do so much of what a lot of people rely on others to do. Like Mm -hmm. what do your day-to-day responsibilities look like, like on and off the road? Well, before this COVID thing shutting it down for a minute, uh, I'm looking at it, it, looking at this as a COVIDcation, you know, because before this COVIDcation, so to speak, you know, I, I was on the computer, I was on the phone, texting, emailing, you know, back and forth, booking my own shows. And people would reach out to me directly to, you know, cutting out the middleman. And uh, that actually stemmed from having the Frank McComb Trio back in 1987, 18 years old, playing around Cleveland, Ohio. You know, 18, 18 17, 18, 19, going up to Erie, playing gigs and the whole nine. And <clears throat> so I went from booking my own gigs in, in the city of Cleveland and the surrounding areas to booking concerts around the world. It's the same thing. I just had to expand my mind. For me, day to day was, you know, talking on the phones, emailing back and forth, and then trying to find a time to still record my own music. Because, I mean, I got into that because um, 
I would do sessions for, for producers and they would let me come in and sing on their records, their demos. They would pay me a hundred bucks here, 50 bucks there. And I would just do them as favors. And they would say, oh, Frank, when, when you ready, you got some ideas, come on to the studio, we cut them. But then when I cash in on that, they asked somebody to come in, they would give me the shuffles. So I figured, okay, I got to get some gear and learn how to do this for myself. And that's how I ended up recording, mixing, mastering, engineering, and releasing my own records. You know, I would go from booking dates to working on my music to finding a way to keeping it all going, you know, every day. And still had to find a time to be a husband and father. Y'all women know how to master this thing called balance. We as men, we have to practice it all the time. <laughs> so that's not always easy for us, but we make it work, you know. Knowing, you know, you're a husband and father and you're mm -hmm. a businessman. Don't misunderstand me because I'm not, I know that you all are more than capable of doing it, but I do. I do also know that there mm -hmm. are not a lot of men who are able to manage both successfully. And I have had my shortcomings too, man. Oh man, I have had my shortcomings when this industry would just piss me off. And you know, you get the counterfeits that'll reach out and say they want to do business, and then when it's time for them to send that deposit, you don't hear from them no more. They wasted mm -hmm. your time, and mm -hmm. then that's a date on the calendar that you could have filled up with something else. You know, so, so that kind of stuff it just makes me so mad. And I had to learn how not to bring that anger into my house. That's, 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 that's it. not easy. You know, that turned into James Evans on you. Listen. You know, and then you, the frustration in the house and then wife, wife and the kids just leave you in the house because they don't want to deal with that foolishness. Leave you in the house by yourself because you work it out and Frank, oh, we leave it. We go to the movies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody want to be around a frustrated man. You that's know? true. That's so true. So, so I was bringing that in my house, man. I had, I had to learn how to... And that's a process, man. You don't learn that overnight. But I had to learn how to stop bringing that anger and the and the issues of the record business into my house. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn how to keep James Evans from getting in. <laughs> you know, James I, Evans was always mad at the system. <laughs> I applaud you for that because I can only imagine. I, I well, no, I can't. I can't. I can't imagine. What am I? What am I saying? What am I talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah, you can imagine it, but you sure ain't gonna want to live it. That's yeah, the show. That's, no, I cannot imagine being a man and and dealing and having to to navigate my frustration. Yeah, it's because crazy. you guys yeah. deal with different things. I mean, we deal with our own thing as women, but I I can't I cannot like legitimately imagine being a man and being a husband and a father and being a businessman. And oh, you know what I thought? I thought you would say you couldn't imagine being that wife dealing with somebody like me. I mean, you <laughs> that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, that's a whole other monster. Yeah, you can imagine. You can imagine being that woman having to deal with a frustrated man. You just don't want to live it. That's the damn yeah. sure. Now that's the that's truth. crazy. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to deal with that. No, nobody should have yeah, to no. deal with that, man. Yeah, I, no. I find myself apologizing to my wife all the time. Now. <laughs> I'm sorry I took you through all that havoc and just was frustrated with the business and the whole now. I'm telling you, man, it is crazy. But she been sure. We just went on what 27 years? Uh, 20, 26 years. I'm sorry, been together 27, married 26 uh, on uh, May 21st. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, 26. 26 years of dealing with my foolishness. Oh my. <laughs> no, one year, love. 26 times. <laughs> Listen, that is love right there. That's what you call true yeah. love. Yeah, she younger that would be with all this foolishness with this business. Wow. But, okay, yeah. so let me ask you this. Yeah. What would you say is a crazy but true, or, or maybe just like an, an unknown fact about you? An unknown fact about me? Mm -hmm. I don't sing to Nisa. I don't sing to Nisa at all. No, you I don't, don't? Sing to, I don't sing to my kids, none of that. They look at me and laugh. Hey, can you come down and check the oil on my car? That's my daughter all day. You really? know? <laughs> and my son is like, Dad, I need you to come listen to my tracks. Wait, <laughs> you've never sung to Nisa? 
I called myself short out, right? I had written this tune. And back then, she was working, you know, she, when we first got together, so she came out of my place after, after work. And I had just finished writing what I thought was a cold-blooded tune, right? And she gets over to the house and she sits down and turns on the TV. And I just go into the song, right? Just show it out. Ooh, girl, yeah. Ooh, we, ooh, girl, you and me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? She, she turned the TV down and said, and when she turned the TV down, I was like, yeah, I got it now, yeah. She said, Frank. I said, yeah, baby, yeah. She said, can you hold it down some? I'm watching Martin Lawrence, man. She said, uh-uh. She said, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. I was like, you know, you know, you know that sound on the, on the prices, right? <laughs> <laughs> she shut you completely. Yeah. But see, that's how I knew. But see, but then that's how I knew she was digging me for who I was and not for what to do. See? Yeah. That's what it's about, though. 26 years later. <laughs> I ain't put myself in that position again. I, I bet you did it. <laughs> No, because I remember when you guys were dating. I'm, I'm like, I remember, and I'm thinking, yeah. you never said yeah. to your wife. Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not even at our wedding. I played "Most Beautiful Girl in the World" was a song by Prince, mm-hmm. and didn't know I was going to end up working with the guy. But yeah, Prince was the tune that I played. I, I, I went to, uh, I went through through all these songs. I went to the to the extreme that that could describe what I was feeling. You know, uh-huh. up to you know preparing for the wedding, and then when I got when we were standing up there, I was like, "Yeah, I'm glad I didn't pick this song or that song or this song because they ain't describing what I feel." So I wrote my own wedding song, love stories, and I just could not. I didn't find. I mean, there's some great songs out there, but I just could not find a song that that strictly spoke to marriage. So I wrote the wedding song for that reason. Yeah, wow. most beautiful girl in the world was the tune. That was the tune that that uh. When we when we said I do, that was the tone. Most mm. beautiful girl. Well, you know, I'm a fan yeah, of everything funny. you write. I, you that's funny. I never and I never told Prince that when I worked with him. I never told him that I used his tune in my wedding. Never did. And that's something that's things not, that you think about right now, after right the fact. Now. After the fact, yeah. <laughs> well, it's wow. always those things that you think about after the fact. So, but wait, where was that yeah. thought then? Right. <laughs> you, where, where was that when I was standing yeah. right next to him? Where was that? Where was that at? Well, let me, right. let me let me ask you this. I want to know if there is someone on your radar of, of whom you feel we should be aware. You know, we want to show some love and give a spotlight to somebody that may not yet be recognized. Oh, my son. All day. Yeah, my son. Skinny, yeah, Skinny Kid Frank. If you if you all are looking for beats out there, look for Skinny Kid Frank on Beat Stars. I think Skinny Kid Frank. Skinny Kid Frank. Yeah, and he's on Instagram. Y'all follow follow him there. I mean, he's got some stuff. I love it. Right now, as we speak, he in his own world, his own section of the house, making his beats. I love that boy. I, I'm telling you, that boy graduated with he graduated uh, with three degrees at 21 years old. Three degrees: what? kinesiology, sociology, and psychology. Three degrees. Are you kidding me? And now just got accepted into the LA Film School. This boy is no joke. Right, and holding phenomenal. And holding down a job, paying him good money. That boy, I credit his mama because I was on the road. She the one did all the whooping. Nisa <laughs> <laughs> did all the whooping. I didn't do all the whooping. She did all the whooping. I just tried to talk about her getting in trouble. Son, I tell Mari too, my daughter Mari. Yes. I say, no, let's let's go, let's go and talk about it before mama get to you. Because when she started getting to you, it's over. Vegas, How old are they now? Ooh, Mari's 25, living in Vegas. Frank is 23. Still wow. here in LA. He doing his thing. I, I, yeah. That always amazes me. 
because I think there's something that each one of us can say that we knew when we were younger. Like I knew this, or I knew this about myself, or I knew well, that. I can, I can, I can confess that too. Uh, I moved to Philly September of '91 after touring with the Rude Boys, and then I moved to LA November 9th, 1992, after my year in Philly, and I never looked back. And see, I always tell people I was born and raised in a place where the snow came to me and left when it felt like it. But I've lived in a place now where I can go to the snow and leave when I feel like it. <laughs> in the wintertime, I can go up to the mountains and watch the people ski. And the same day, I can go to the beach in the winter and watch the boys surf. You know, the thing about it, I'm listening to you say this, and I remember when you left Philly. I, I miss those days where we all got together and played. And me, you, James, John Roberts would come around every now and then and... Um, man, uh, 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 Ivan, all those guys. Yes. We used to have fun. Philly was where it was at. Every now and then, Will would pop through because he was in L.A. before. Uh-huh. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. I have to tell you that I appreciate these memories. Oh, I got another memory for you. Deanna uh-huh. Williams and I am convention. The God. International Association oh, of African-American American American Music. Music. Yes. That's yes. it. <laughs> And some people are just finding out that we have Black Music Month because of Deanna Williams. Yeah. Star. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes, the one Deanna, the Deanna Williams has, uh, she's been a, a force, man. She's been a force in Philly. I mean, she was in radio at what, 19, 18, something like that? Yeah. Deanna, yeah. Deanna and I real, that's my, that was my buddy, man. I haven't talked to him forever, but yeah, Deanna Williams. I don't think either one of us can talk enough about how much we love Deanna and have anybody mm-hmm. understand. But she's that Absolutely. being, she's that spirit, she's that individual. Mm-hmm. Once you meet her, everything yeah. about her is consistent. From day one, she is definitely a force. Frank, again, thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your time, your energy, oh, that's all your, good. your attention, and for maintaining a commitment to the music industry and to yourself being true to you. Because we oh, appreciate you, you and applaud you for it. But um, thank you. I'm just grateful to be your friend. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you even calling me to even be on this. You know, for real. All the artists, you know, you call a little me. You know yeah, what? I said, okay, I guess I go on a pencil in. <laughs> Don't you do it. Because <laughs> I had a radio show, The Living Room, with Frank McCall. I remember. And yeah, I did it almost four years. And I loved having a radio show. I mean, it was syndicated. A lot of folks were, were tuned into it. <clears throat> I was on every night somewhere. Wow. I was programming the radio show on the plane. I don't know if you know, I actually went to school. I studied communications at Temple. So I was really? studying. I did. Yes, I did. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh, just going uh, going back to a part of my roots. <laughs> you know, I did not nice. study. I did not study music. Music is my passion and my love. In addition to communications. Man, you need to be doing this. You should have been doing this a long time ago. <laughs> well, listen, I, the the music bug had bitten me, and I was enveloped in you know all the yeah. love I have mm-hmm. for that, and I was catering to that passion at that time. And now I'm to adding it. this yeah. to my yeah. So I'm I'm like I'm bringing it full circle. That's how I see. Well, it. well, well, you got the voice for it. You got the intelligence for it. You know how to Thank speak. You. So that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, man. And I mean, you can't get a better endorsement than Deanna having you fill in. You, none. You don't. I mean, really. You, you don't get, you a, better get a better endorsement. Than that. No, no, you don't. You don't. I know, the, I know the feeling. I was doing an interview recently when it comes down to being endorsed by the legends. I was doing an interview with KJLH's Kevin Nash last week or the week before. <laughs> Actually, it was on my anniversary, the 21st. And who, who crashed the Zoom meeting was Stevie Wonder. 
he's got enough money. He ain't trying to get paid for something like that. He didn't even have to do it. He came right on and was like, Frank, I remember the day we met, yada, 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 wow. yada, yada. Yeah, man. Stevie and I met on my birthday in 1993. I was 23 years old. I don't know if you'll remember this when uh, Deanna hosted an IM convention in um, Washington, D.C. And there was an after party. And at the after party, there was um, Natalie Cole, there was Stevie Wonder, there was Bernard Bell, there were, there, I mean, there were so many, there were, there were so many people. And um, um, I remember joking and laughing with Bernard Bell and he mm-hmm. introduced me to Stevie. Oh, that's cool. And he said, so uh, he said, come on, let's take this picture. Let's take this picture. And Stevie, he kept teasing. They had their, both of them had their arms around me. I was in the middle. Stevie kept saying, mm-hmm. I see you looking at my woman. I see you. I see you looking at my woman. <laughs> <laughs> we're not. We're not. <laughs> it must have taken us about 10 minutes to take that picture because of all the shenanigans. Steve is a clown, man. Steve is, is a clown. clown. He is a clown. He put me, put me on the spot. Stevie calls in and says, "Tell Frank to do. He, uh, I got a request for him." I said, Kevin, what is this request? I ain't trying to be put on the spot by Steve. What's this request? He said, "I don't know. I don't know." And then he finally told him. Then we get back on the air, and he said, "Stevie wanted you to do people make the world go around." I said, "I don't know that song. Tell Stevie to send me the lyrics." I don't know that song. He's trying to put somebody on the spot. So we just, we just kind of bapped around on on people make the world go, you know, just a little chorus part. But oh, but what throws people off, what throws people off is that you don't you can't tell he's telling a joke unless you pay attention to what he's saying. That's so true. That's so <laughs> That's true. How serious. His That's voice so doesn't true. change, you know. <laughs> he is so true to comedy. That and that that's what it caught me off guard. I had no yeah. idea. I had no idea he was such a prankster. Hey, oh, he's he, a prankster. We were clowning, we were in Indonesia once. And it was me, him, and George Duke. It was it was the Java Jazz Festival, and it was a big jam session, and Stevie and George had just gotten to the festival. I was there because I had just finished playing a show. The owner of the festival was like, you know, Stephen and uh, Steve, Stephen George has got here. Go go hang out with him. So I went over there and started talking to him, and I noticed this, this band on the stage making all this noise trying to get their attention. And it's like hundreds of people in their faces snapping pictures and stuff. So I made my way in there, said hi to them both, and then I started walking towards the stage. And uh, we had just lost Whitney and Don Cornelius at this time. And wow. as I'm going to the stage, here come uh, these other musicians. They knew what I was going to do. David Haynes, David Fingers Haynes, who's a drummer, mm. and Ben Williams. They trailed me up to the stage. And uh, Maurice Brown was already on the stage trying to get them boys off. Some, some group from England that was just making some noise. So we get them off the stage. And I grabbed the mic and I said, yo, can I get everybody's attention in this room, please? So people started paying attention. And I said, look, we just lost Don Cornelius. We just lost Whitney Houston. You guys are Stevie and George's faces like a bunch of fans. You should be up here honoring these guys while we still mm. got them. And see, I didn't even know we were about to lose George. Mm. Had no idea. So I said, I'm going to kick this little tribute off right now. And I called out Superwoman, where were you when I needed you? Mm. And David had already played it for me. Ben had not. So uh, I think Maurice was calling out the changes to him while we were up there playing. So as we planned, here comes George and Stevie coming up to the stage. Stevie escorts them to the stage. And I'm like, what y'all doing, man? I'm, I'm, you know, we're trying to pay homage to y'all. And George said, no, Stevie wanted to jam with y'all, man. So, you know, you had me walk him out. So Stevie, he gets up on the stage, pulls his harmonica out, says, put a microphone. And Duke was so humble. He said, 
well, what am I supposed to play? I said, well, why don't you take this keyboard rig and I'll go stand up there with Steve. He said, nah, man, I'm just kidding. Nah, I had my time, man. Go on, sit there and play. I'm going to go over here to this Yamaha on the stone in the corner over here. It was a Yamaha grand piano wow. with poorly mic that wasn't tuned, and he went over and played that joint, believe it or not. Couldn't believe it. So while we up there jamming, killing it, Stevie breaks it down. He says, Frank, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time. I said, we were just together like a couple months ago. He said, no, man, I ain't seen you. It's been a minute, man. And I said, Steve, that's a lie from the pit of hell. We were just at Prince's house, man. How you going to say that? And he, put, he looks, he looks well, not looks, but turns his head towards me. Because he knows where my boys is coming from. He pulls his glasses down with them green, funny-looking eyes and say, I haven't seen you in a long time, man. I haven't seen you, son. <laughs> I was like, man. I cannot imagine the number of stories man. that you have. I saw George shortly before he passed. I saw him mm. in Las Vegas. Wow. Duke told me, he said, man, I ain't got my period no more. I forgot what it looked like. <laughs> I forgot what my face looked like. I've had a beer for so long. When I saw him, because it took me a minute, I, I said, is that, is it? Is, that, is it really him? Is right. it him? Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. I tell you, yeah. I, I, I still have a voicemail from Duke. Duke called me. Wow. We were, it was for the reopening of the Howard Theater. I said I'd never get rid of it. Duke called me on the phone. I was doing a recording session for a buddy of mine, Anthony Crawford, out here in L.A. And my phone rang but I couldn't answer it because I was in the vocal booth. So I had to send him a voicemail. And um, I'm glad because I hold on to that. You know, of all the voicemails that I got from him, I, I held on to that one. And uh, when I checked it, he said, hey, Frank, I thought you was coming over for coffee. When you coming <laughs> over for coffee, man? <laughs> well, look, man, I'm, I, I got me doing this, these arrangements for the, the opening of the Howard Theater, and I wanted to know if you would come and, and be a part of it. I, I'll never get rid of it. Duke was so cool. He was the nicest guy, man. He was kind of dude you can call at two o'clock in the morning and go over an agreement, go over a contract with him. Wow. And then say, okay, don't call me again until after two o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Because uh -huh. <laughs> Duke did nothing, he did nothing before one o'clock. <laughs> Listen, I love it. And I love his honesty. That's, but that's, you know what, that's Duke a sweet soul. He was funny. He didn't do nothing before one o'clock. And his thing was coffee and red wine. Coffee and, and red wine. And he loves Seattle. Seattle, Washington. These are things. Oh, I love Seattle. No, see, I love Seattle too. Yeah, you know, he, he introduced me. Well, so Rochelle Farrell introduced me to George Duke, and then he mm. introduced me to his wife. Um, Korean. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Korean was cool. She was she, so cool. She was so sweet. She was so yeah. so sweet. They were just the cutest couple to me. They were the coolest, man. Weren't they? Yeah, yeah they, they were. Really, they, they really were. were. Korean kept George together. It's like the moment Korean passed, George didn't last a year. Yeah. yeah, they were yeah. close. The two of them together yeah. were like sugar. They were, they were, so, right? they, were they were so sweet. They were, they were just they were so cute. They were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. They were cool. Oh. But it's nothing like being endorsed by the people that you grew up listening to and studying, and then you become friends with them, or at least they endorse you. Like I never thought um, Frankie Beverly would give me a nickname. You know, anytime somebody played. Uh, a musician played in a band with Frankie Beverly and Mays, you got a nickname. So with me being Frank and, you know, the head of the band is the artist, Frankie. Uh -huh. Rome, Rome Laurie nicknamed me Key to keyboards. To this day, if they saw me, they're going to call me Key. Let me tell you something, Frankie. It doesn't get any better than that. Take six, they called me an alien. 
Mark Kibble. Well, yeah, Dave because Thomas. you are. Call <laughs> well, I've called you that myself. I've definitely <laughs> called you an alien. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's such a blessing because, you know, when, when you've had all the odds stacked against you, you know, two major labels, uh, one being white, one being black, and then an indie label, and then somebody bootlegs your music and gets 50 bucks a CDR for it. Mm. Um, you know, you have all the odds stacked against you, but God says, that's exactly what I want for you because now I can show the world what I'm going to do for you First of against all, what, against what they did to you. God yeah. always shows that what is for you is yeah. for you and you alone. Absolutely. And he makes Absolutely. it. So he makes sure that not only you know it, but everybody else knows yeah. it. Well, my faith does not waver, so I'm a firm believer and just, firm you know, stepping you. back and, and watching yep. the wonders of God because he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. He does. He does. And that's an, that's with an ellipsis. Absolutely. I'll tell you, they've they tried to, you know, to to shut me up, you know, because they felt that, and I say they meaning all of those who spoke against Frank McComb because Frank wasn't quote unquote marketable. Uh, I don't hear a hit song. And, and I look at it like this. I don't think every record company is a bad one. I just ain't found one to fit me yet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't want to put my mouth on people. But maybe yeah. that was in God's plan. Maybe that was his, you know, that is in his blueprint for you. That's your journey. Yeah, that there isn't one. That you, Booby Scoop, listen. Yep, that's that, me. That is Booby the label for you. Yes. That is my label. <laughs> yes. Booby Scoop music. Hello. And, and, and I'm still sustaining, you know, I'm still sustaining, doing, doing my music, putting it out. And if there was no market for what it is that I do, with no market for what it is that you do, you and I would not have the names we have. We wouldn't do shows. And you be out there doing that? your thing, man. I see you out there. I see you out there doing your shows. <laughs> That's right. We've done a couple of them together. Yes, so I we know. have. Yeah, so you out there doing it, man. And that's what you got to do. You and can't I love let, it. I refuse to sit back and wait on the world to, quote, unquote, get ready for me. I would lose a whole lifetime just sitting back waiting on people. But all this music, man, no, 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 no. My job is to get it out. As Malcolm X said, by any means necessary. And you know what my grandmother would also say is that you don't know what you want until you get it. So right. that, <laughs> I mean, right. okay, my right. grandmother, and she would say that with such conviction. Oh, child, shut up. You don't know what you want until you get it. Until you get it. I until, like that. Until you get until it. Until you get it. Because, <laughs> you know, so I, but she was so right about it that I had to keep that in my back pocket. You know, my friend Ellis Marcellus, the late Ellis Marcellus, Branford and Winton's father, he just died from the COVID mess. Ellis used to say to us all the time, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him thirsty. Yeah. Oh, oh, thirsty. <gasps> oh, Frankie. Because if he, if he ain't thirsty, he damn sure ain't going to drink nothing. <laughs> you wasting your time even taking him. <laughs> you ain't never lied. Yeah, oh, honey, well, no, listen, I can sit it. here and talk to you all day. Please give me some of my love. And the baby, well, they're not even babies anymore. I can't even say the babies. Yeah, the grown I, babies. Yes, I can. Yeah, the, I was about to say, I can say babies. the grown babies. The I grown can say babies. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Whatever you do, be good to you and to those around you. And remember, to whom much is given, much is required. Catch you next time on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Reddick. Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Reddick.